0: Grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We've been in a series on the Beatitudes. I love the simplicity of the Beatitudes. Sometimes we just overcomplicate this Christian life, don't we? The Beatitudes are so simple that you could read them for the first time. And, and get something out of them. But how many know that the word of God, couldn't, it couldn't be infinitely long, so God had to make it infinitely deep. And oftentimes, there's, it's like layers of an onion. If you, if you peel off those layers, you can go deeper and deeper. What we've been doing in this series is peeling off a few of the layers of the Beatitudes and going a little deeper with what Jesus has instructed us how to live. So today's part four, we're going to focus on the third, Blessed Are... Um, and we'll get there in just a second. Let's start in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus started it with this. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first blessed are is the foundational blessed are. If we are to build a blessed life in God we have to begin by acknowledging our total poverty and our total depravity, spiritually speaking. In fact, it takes the grace of God to reveal to us that we are completely bankrupt. Amen? Yes. We go through life thinking we're, we've got it all together. Listen, you can't just work your way into right relationship with God. You have to be, it has to be revealed to us by the grace of God that we're completely bankrupt. But those people who receive that revelation and realize their bankruptcy... Become prime candidates for the grace of God to fill you and to make you brand new in Christ Jesus. That was part one. Part two, Matthew 5 4, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Last week we talked about the type of mourning that Jesus said is blessed. Not all mourning is blessed, but there's a type of mourning that is blessed. That is those who are sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their life. If you are sensitive, to the will of God in your life, and you're, you're sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life to lead you away from Egypt into the promised land, lead you away from your sin into the promises of God, that is a blessed person. We talked about that last week. And now we're in verse 5. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed, Jesus said this, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What a promise, what a promise from the Lord that we literally become co-inheritors with Christ and inherit the earth. Two fundamental questions that we need to ask to understand this very simple portion of scripture. Two fundamental questions. Number one, what is spiritual meekness? And number two, what does it mean to inherit the earth? We'll get to that in a minute. What is spiritual meekness? It's important to know and we need to understand that the dictionary definition of meekness will not suffice for our understanding of what Jesus was talking about here. Um, The word meek, I I don't know when the last time you used that in a sentence was. I don't often. It's not really part of our everyday language. In fact, in, I think it was in the 1850s it kind of really dropped off. and became an, un, an uncommon word. And so we oftentimes don't really have a, a good understanding of what it means to be meek. Right, here's the dictionary definition of meek. And um, again, the dictionary definition does not suffice to, to reveal to us what Jesus was talking about. The dictionary definition means quiet, gentle, easily imposed upon, or submissive. Okay, spiritual meekness can include some of those things or all of those things, but certainly not all the time in every situation. The most important distinction that I want to make today is that spiritual meekness is not at all associated with weakness. Spiritual meekness doesn't mean weakness. They are not equal to one another. Here's why. Being weak is not a spiritual virtue. In the Beatitudes, Jesus says, hey, here are these eight attributes. Here's these eight virtues that you as believers, I want you to have these virtues. I want you to walk in these. Weakness is not a virtue, okay? Um, There's nothing about being spiritually, emotionally, physically, or intellectually weak that is a virtuous attribute in your life. But being meek is a spiritual virtue that Jesus wants each of us to. To have. So what is spiritual meekness? What does it mean? We're going to look at Matthew 5.5, 5, the word meek. Um, the root word for that, we're going to look at the Greek, the Greek word for that in, in Scripture. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek word, but here's what it means. It means temperate. Watch this. Displaying the right blend of force and reserve, oftentimes translated as gentleness. It is this, strength in gentleness. It avoids unnecessary harshness, yet without compromising, being too slow uh, to use necessary force. Okay, meekness is not the absence of strength or force. It is the appropriate measure of power. It is an appropriate measure of power. It is, you could be defined as a strength under control. Strength under control. That's what God wants us to have. Uh, let me give you a couple of illustrations. Um, how many know there's a difference between a, like a wild stallion, a wild horse, and one that is tamed? Both are extremely powerful animals that can do many great things, but a, but a horse that has been broken is, is a horse that is a picture of meekness because its strength is directed in the right direction. Okay. This is a great picture for us as believers, that we are called to be strong. We're not called to be weak, but strength directed in a particular direction under the, under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'll give a couple illustrations. One, one illustration will mean a little more to men, and then another illustration will mean a little more to, to women. We'll start with men. Um, I think a, um, a good picture of what meekness looks like is a gentleman, a gentleman, Here's the deal about gentlemen, though. We're not, how many know that no one's born as a gentleman, right? You don't come out of the womb as a gentleman. Um, you have to be trained to be a gentleman, okay? Typically, you're born a savage, and then it's okay to be a savage so long as you learn how to be a gentleman. My wife has done a lot of work on me over the last 18 years, and in another 18 years or so, she will, her work will be perfected. But one of the things... When I married her, I knew, you know, enough to, like, I should hold doors and open the car door, and especially if you're on a date, that kind of thing. But one of the things my wife taught me was we were walking along the road, and she said, Hey, you, as the man, you're supposed to stand closer to traffic than me when we're walking along. And I was like, Why? <laughs> what, what, what about being a man instructs me that I need to be closer to the traffic? And she said, Well, number one, if there's a puddle and a car splashes water, you get hit with the water, and I stay dry. And then she said, number two, if a car goes out of control and comes off the road, you die, and I live. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I want to be a gentleman, so I learned, I learned that. And then, and then, you know, later on in life, I have daughters, and I'm like, oh, honey, you know, with my daughters, I'm like, you got to walk on the inside. And they're like, what, why? I'd explain it to them, too. So... That's what a gentleman is. Here's the deal. Gentlemen are not pansies. They are men who have learned how to wield the appropriate amount of strength. I think think being a gentleman is what true masculinity is supposed to look like, okay? Um, Our society, because our society doesn't know much about anything anymore um, and gets everything wrong in every way, our society um, has demonized Anything that has, like, aggression or force associated with it. And masculinity, there, um, aggression in and of itself is not an evil attribute. Unchecked aggression is, and unchecked force is, but um, true masculinity involves force and aggression in the, in the proper measure. But here's the deal. True masculinity is not a detriment to culture. It is essential to culture. And essential to the family, we need masculine men to lead and to lead their families and to, and to represent Father God to a family, amen? Okay? Part of that at times involves aggression and force, but not out of control. True masculinity is needed. Barbarianism is toxic. Being a total unchecked barbarian, that is absolutely toxic. But let me tell you something else that's toxic. Justifying weak men is also toxic. And being weak and justifying that as a virtue, that is also toxic. There's a quote by an author uh, named G. Michael Hove. He says this. He says, Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. I think we're actually in that place right now where weak men are creating difficult times for us in the world. But thank God, I think the pendulum is about to swing back. So we don't need men to be weak. We need men to be strong and know how to control themselves. Meekness is a virtue. Weakness is not a virtue. Okay, that's one primarily for the men. Um, Let me give one for the the ladies now. So you think the ladies' conference is over? No. I got something, too. They just don't invite me to to speak at the women's conference, so I'll do it right here. Just kidding. The word, um, when Jesus said, blessed are the meek, that word is used uh, four times in the New Testament. That Greek word is used four times. I want to show you another reference in Scripture. In 1 Peter 3.3, 3, um, uh, Peter is speaking uh, primarily to women here. He says this, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold jewelry, or fine clothes. Okay, nothing wrong with good hair. I'm for good hair. How many like good hair? Okay, <laughs> comb it, all right. Nothing wrong with jewelry or clothes, but that should not be the primary source of, of a woman's beauty, amen? The primary source should be from within. The Bible says, Proverbs 31, 31, 30, charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, amen? That is an inner beauty. Uh, Verse four, 1 Peter 3, let's go to the next verse, verse four. So it shouldn't come from the outward adornment. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in god 's sight, the word gentle there is the same Greek word that Jesus used when he said, "Blessed are the meek that 's the same Greek word now um, paul or i 'm sorry Peter is not saying uh, you should all have a quiet personality type he's not he 's not highlighting a personality type he 's highlighting the attribute of meekness that we should all have, okay. He's not saying that women should just be a little mousy in the corner, but here's what he is saying. He's saying, but your strength, which oftentimes for women, your strength is your ability to articulate words, that is communication. That is oftentimes, my wife's laughing here because she knows she's better at communicating than I am. (laughs) Um, Oftentimes that strength, which women tend to um, have an edge up in, is a strength, and he's saying." He's not saying be a little mouse in corny. He's saying, hey, that strength that you have should be a measured strength. In other words, that should be under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit. This makes sense in context here because um, in this portion of Scripture, um, 1 Peter chapter 3, which go read it all sometime. Um, it's talking, it starts off talking about if, how to win your um, spouse over to the Lord if, you, if he is unsaved. It's speaking to, you know, to women. And Paul and Peter both did this throughout Scripture. They, um, if they talk to people who, like, if you're in a relationship, one person is, knows the Lord, the other person doesn't. He gives us instruction on how to win that person over to the Lord. And here in First Peter 3... He says this, this is how you win your husbands to the Lord. And I've, I know men who have been won over in this way. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. He says this, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over, watch this, without words, but by be the, the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Okay, he's saying, don't rely on perhaps your greatest strength to articulate words or maybe preach at this guy. Rather, let your adornment come from within and let your husband see the purity of your lives and your devotion to the Lord and let that convict his heart so that he will come and give his life to Jesus. Oftentimes, a woman's greatest strength is her ability to articulate thoughts. And Peter's saying, I'm not calling you to be weak. I'm calling you to be meek in the strength that God has given you. Typically speaking, men are physically stronger, and oftentimes women are better at articulating their words. My temptation um, as a man um, could be to use my physical ability as an unfair advantage, and perhaps my wife's temptation would be to use her advantage in the word department, to use her word judo over me as an advantage. Amen? Amen. I don't want to get into the inner workings of all of our relationship, but, you know, there are times we'll leave meetings. I'm like, hon, I didn't really get to talk that much, and I had things to say, so back off on the coffee a little bit. I'll say it another way, be meek, right? Not weak, meek. Peter goes on and he says to, to husbands, he says, husbands, use res- uh, he encourages them to use restraint with their physical ability. Watch this. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them respect as the weaker partner. He's speaking in terms of physical strength. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Apparently, Peter is saying, if you don't treat your wives good and you're not considerate to them, that it hinders your prayers. Has your wife ever reminded you of this scripture before? A man has. <laughs> it's like, you don't treat me good and your prayers aren't going to be answered because of it. <laughs> Here's the deal regardless of whether you're a man, a woman, single or married, the encouragement to be meek um, is to be meek with whatever your strengths are, whatever strengths God has given you. The encouragement is to be meek in those strengths and not to lord it over those. The call to be meek is really a call to be Christ-like. How many know that Jesus is the meekest person who ever walked the face of the earth? He's the meekest ever walked. How many know Jesus could absolutely crush any of us? He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's fire in his eyes. You know, if you read the book of Revelation, you have a pretty lofty and magnificent uh, view of who the King of Kings is, Lord of Lords. But how many know Jesus, Jesus in his, um, he's meek. He's meek. He doesn't just crush us. It says this, Matthew um, 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest Take my, yoke upon, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. That's the same word right there, the same word that Jesus used in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek. This is the same Greek word. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is meek. It's a call to be Christ-like for each of us. We're not born meek. We're not born gentlemen. We're not born with a guard over our mouths, are we? We have to learn these things. Um, how many remember uh, one of the meekest people to ever live um, was, was Moses? The Bible says that he was meek. Now, how many know that Moses didn't start off that way? When Moses was 40 years old, um, he's called to be the deliverer of Israel. And when Moses is 40 years old, he, he sees an Egyptian uh, beating up a Hebrew, and he goes and kills the Egyptian. And God's, maybe God wanted to deliver the children of Israel right then and there. And God's like, um, this guy's not quite ready. Let's send him out into the wilderness. And how many know that he was 40 years old when that happened? I'm, I'm 43, so Moses was just a touch younger than me when that happened. And then uh, when God used him to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was 80 years old, 40 years in the desert with sheep, you know, just building meekness. Amen? <laughs> God will take you to meek school. Sometimes meek school lasts a lifetime, okay? So how do we get meekness? How do we, how do we get this? It says in Galatians 5, this is such an important portion of Scripture for Christians, it says it's the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The word gentleness there it's not the same Greek word that Jesus used in Matthew 5.5, 5, but it is the root word that it comes the uh, Matthew 5.5. 5, that is the root that um, what am I saying here? Okay, it's this it's the root of the word that Jesus used in Matthew 5.5, 5, the word gentleness here. Okay. Meekness is often translated as gentleness. Here's the point I want to make. True meekness is not a product of striving in the flesh. It is a product of life in the Holy Spirit, walking in step with the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what produces meekness in our lives. That's what produces all the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, um, self-control is a product of walking in step with the person of the Holy Spirit, not trying to strive ourselves into a breakthrough. Amen? So we are not called to be weak, We are called to have tempered strength. We are called to have strength under control. What I want to say this morning is that strength is not just a good thing. It is an imperative thing for you. You need to be the strongest version of you you can possibly be. In fact, I would say you have a moral obligation to be the strongest person you could possibly be. The world needs the strongest version of you. We need the strongest version of you and then learn how to control it. I love this because then I get to be a total savage at the same time as long as I know how to control it. Amen? So for everyone here, listen. You need to be the the, the most physically strong version of yourself. You need to be the most spiritually strong version of yourself. You need to be the, the most emotionally strong version of yourself and the most intellectually strong version of yourself. Weakness is not a virtue. You owe the world the strongest version of you. You owe your family the wisest version of you. You owe yourself the most intelligent and focused version of you. But the warning is, don't use your physical strength, your spiritual insight, or your emotional stability or intelligent, intelligence to lord it over others. I think you probably have a sense and know what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And there is a temptation for all of us, I think, to use the strengths God has given us or the strengths we have developed with him to lord over the others. But the call for us is to be meek for the building up of our brothers and sisters in Christ, not the tearing it down. <clears throat> I'll conclude with this. Um, actually, as we're rolling to a close here, let me, let me uh, give, play a quick video that illustrates strength under control. So go ahead and roll that video. Strength under control. That is meekness. God has called you to be strong, but he's called you to control it. All right, what does it mean to inherit the earth? I believe there's two applications for this this. because thank God there's a promise in meekness. There's a promise in being self-controlled. We know that in eternity, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This is a foreshadowing of our heavenly inheritance as co-heirs with Jesus. We are co-heirs with Christ and we will co-reign with Jesus for all of eternity. Look at this messianic prophecy about Jesus. This is actually the father speaking to the son in Psalm 2a. The father is speaking to Jesus. He's saying, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. Jesus came to reclaim the title deed of the earth, to bring it back. And one day we will possess the land with him. But here's application number two. It's practical for our everyday lives. It says in Romans 5, 17, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. Reign here and out in life with Jesus. The meek will one day have an inheritance with Christ, but as we walk with meekness, we are actually in partnership with the Holy Spirit to reign in life. You can be trusted. God doesn't want you weak, but he wants your strength to be trustworthy. And if it's in submission to the Holy Spirit, he can can trust you with what you have and he can trust you with more, amen? To whom much is given, much is required. So here's the application today. You and I have a moral obligation to be the strongest people we can possibly be under the direction and submission of the Holy Spirit. Here's a question I want to ask you. Are you the strongest version of you? Are you physically the strongest version you can be? Are you spiritually the strongest version that you can be? Are you emotionally the strongest version you can be? There are perhaps some some reasons why we're not emotionally stable and God wants to release a strategy over us to be the strongest emotionally we can be. Are you, the, are you intellectually the strongest that you can possibly be? Or are you giving your mind to other things? We have a moral obligation to be the strongest we can possibly be. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna just ask those, you know, as I ask that question, I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to just reveal to you if there's any area of your life where you need to be a better version of your, a stronger version of yourself under the submission of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for every person in this house, Lord. Lord, that you have called us to be strength under control. And Lord, I just pray if there's anyone here physically, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, Lord, we are falling short of the strength that you've called us to walk in, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would, um, would you just release right now, would you speak to our hearts? In any of those areas, would you speak to our hearts? And then God, would you release a strategy to us to be the strongest we can be in those areas? And Lord, I pray for that fruit of the Holy Spirit, that self-control and gentleness that the Holy Spirit brings to bring those strengths, Lord, under your control and in submission to you, Lord. And this morning, I just felt like I needed to give this to. I just felt the Lord put this on my heart this morning. A sex drive is a strength. It's actually a sign that you're a healthy person to have a sex drive. But it can be a dangerous thing when it's not under the control of the Holy Spirit. And I felt like this morning, there were actually people here, it's okay, we should celebrate the fact that you're healthy, that you have a drive, but the Lord this morning wants to help you to bring that drive under submission uh, of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I just bless every person here, Lord. I thank you for the natural desires of our hearts that are healthy and good. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would help us, Lord, to subdue that those desires under the leadership and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, I just bless your people today. We thank you, God, that we are called to be powerful people. We are called to be influencers, Lord, but we're called, Lord, to allow you to taper those things and to bring them under you, Lord. We love you. We thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said...